This is the Bad Reputation Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes on your smartphone or tablet. Featuring the most up-to-date reputation management, social media, and entrepreneurial information on the web. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Todd Collins Official. And now, the host of Bad Reputation, the reputation rock star, Todd Collins. In three, two, one. Hey guys, I'm, I'm super excited today uh, to have one of the pages and people uh, on my podcast. In uh, this particular episode is going to be very interesting because I have got the bitchy waiter, one of my most followed pages. I interact and engage with this page so much. And it was, I, I've been following there for, for quite a while. And no one I think has tapped into the humor of the restaurant industry uh, more than him. And he is, uh, he is actually, I think, and I, if I'm not mistaken, he is the first Instagram verified Instagrammer that's ever been on the podcast. We're all trying to get to his level um, and Darren's going to try to help maybe even give some of the secrets and some of the secret little secret sauce that he uses, no pun intended, um, on what he does to expand his brand awareness. But we're really going to get into kind of know, you know, the, the, the bitch behind the bitchy waiter, my man, Darren, I love him to death. Um, one of the best creators out there. Darren, thanks for being on brother. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you. Uh, I got to tell you, man, and, and this is the truth. You and I connected, I think last year. Um, I was on, I was in Florida at the time and I just randomly DM'd you. Um, and you know, we were talking before the episode about, you know, just not checking them. And I remember somebody said to me that was in the car, we were in an Uber and I said, you know what, man? I said, I've been following this guy. I said, he's fucking hilarious. I love him. I was like, there's gotta be something that we could, we could do together. And we were sitting in the car and he goes, man, that guy's never, you know how many followers that guy has? He's never going to hit you back. And I'm like, of course, I was like a nobody out there. And I DM'd you. And you hit me back like right away, like, what's up, man? What do you want to do? And I was like, oh, my God, is this, is this for real? And we connected, and we've stayed in connection ever since. And I think that's one of those big things, one of those big defining differences between you and a lot of these other people out here that claim to be, you know, either influencers or, or people that are, are really sharing good creative content out there. You really engage and interact with your people. I do. I try really hard to do that. And, you know, there have been a couple of people that have told me what you just said, that they'd reached out to other influencers or people with big followings and, and they would never hear back from them. And then they reach out to me. I'm like, hey, what do you have in mind? Because I know that everything depends on somebody else. So you never know what kind of connection is going to lead to the, the next step. So I pretty much try to respond to every question or query I get, you know? it's worth it. Most of the time it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Because you don't know who you're, you don't know who necessarily at some points in times that are actually DMing you. I mean, it could be somebody that gives you a really big opportunity when we yeah. were talking to the, um... I mean, I have uh, like, you no, know, on my Facebook page, I, I'm, I, I get so many messages every day on, on my, on the Facebook page. And I have an automatic res- response on there that says, you know, give me some time and I will respond to you. And I pretty much respond to every single person and it takes up a lot of time, but 
I also feel like it's important because I don't want to be that asshole that just ignores people because I get a lot of content from people who reach out to me too. You know, I can't come up with all of this on my own. So I need help. So if somebody's going to reach out to me with some ideas, I'm going to take their ideas. You know, I want, I want help. So. Dude, it's so funny you said that because now all of a sudden you're going to get loaded up with, with DMs after oh, this. Uh, you're totally right. I mean, <laughs> this episode, answer going to be like, holy shit, I got so much for you. It's not even funny. You're right. I mean, people send me stuff all the time like, hey, can you share this? And, and sometimes it's something that I want to share and it, it'll be really great. But sometimes it's stuff that like, oh, you know, it's not that funny. And I feel bad that I, you know, how, how do I say like, uh, that sucks. I can't share that. But you're, you're right now. I'm going to open up my messages later. I'm going to have about a thousand messages of people wanting to share shit. So. Well, I hope I have that much influence for these people. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. So can you, can you run me through, you know, let's start at the beginning. Let's start. How did, how did this all start? You've been in the restaurant industry for a really long time. You're probably one of the most experienced guys out there. Um, serving is a, in my opinion, is, is really truly, it is a career. Um, there are pros at it. You're probably considered one of the pros at it. Can you tell me how the whole thing started? Like what, what ins- either A, inspired you to do it and then kind of just, you just did it. Give me the story behind that. Well, I mean, I, I've been waiting tables or working in the restaurant industry pretty consistently since, I don't know, like 1989 or something. And, I, you know, I was an actor and well, I am still an actor, you know, I have my SAG card and stuff. So uh, waiting tables was just kind of a natural thing for me to do. And that's what I've been doing. It's always been in my back pocket, either full-time, part-time. I always have my hand in the restaurant industry. And then about 11 years ago or 10 or 11 years ago, when I started the blog, that just happened because I was at work one day here in Manhattan and I was just so fucking irritated with this customer. And I just got home and I just decided to start a blog. And I didn't even know really how to do it. I just went to like blogspot.com or whatever and created something and just started writing my stories out. And it was just for my coworkers really and my friends. And then about six months after that or three months maybe, one of the stories I wrote got picked up and it got shared and then it just started snowballing. And now it's just, I turned into like the, one of the leading restaurant bloggers. It's crazy that it happened but it really just started because I wanted to bitch about my day at work so it hasn't changed that much you know I blogged yesterday about somebody you know complaining so it it hasn't changed that much in 11 years it's just the scope of it has changed yeah and so when you started you started it started out as a blog right I mean that's really where it kind of yeah now did you start anonymously yeah I was anonymous for a long time I would say about maybe seven years where I pretty much stayed. I didn't ever put my name out there. And then slowly it started to happen. Occasionally if I would get a restaurant interview or I mean, um, like a TV interview or something like when I did, uh, I think Dr. Phil was the first show that put me on. And so my name was on there. And so then it kind of just started happening more often. And, uh, and then when my book came out three years ago, then it was like, you know, I had to have my name out there. So then I started putting my face more out. And then I just kind of decided I don't care if people know who I am. And um, so, but yeah, it, it totally started out anonymous because I was, the beginning of my blog was, I mean, if it's bitchy now, like read the first 20 blog posts. I mean, it was rude and bitchy. So I felt like, I felt the need to stay anonymous because I was pretty much a real asshole in those yeah. days. 
Well, it's speaking of your book, <clears throat> um, if you guys haven't checked out uh, uh, Darren's book, it's it's really, really cool. It's awesome. Um, it is for sale on Amazon, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's still there. Yeah, it's floating out there. Mm -hmm. So guys, um, you'll be able to actually click a, a clickable link. Uh, I'll have the link in the, in the podcast episode where you guys can just click that link and it'll take you right to Amazon and Darren's book. I 100% recommend picking it up. If for, for entertainment purposes alone, you will laugh your ass off. I think it's pretty good. And, and I think it is, up, you know, like I, a lot of those stories I wrote a long time ago and, and some of them are still, I mean, most of them I think are still really funny. And I always tell people it's great for a gift. Like I get, I end up selling a lot every Christmas because end, people end up getting them as secret Santa presents for their yep. people who work with at restaurants and it's cheap, you know, it's paperback. It's like $9. So it's, it's, and I wrote it three and a half years ago when people are still buying it. So it's, Kind of cool. I'm excited. I mean, it still excites me. That I have a book. Yeah. Are, are, are we going to see a second book? Well, you know, I, I was working on a second book, and, um, but I really wanted the second book to be a little bit different, you know, not right. just more of the same. And so I, I created a proposal and I sent it to my agent and he was like, yeah, this isn't, they're not going to buy this. I'm like, but it's so much better because it wasn't, um, it's, it's not just a, it's not just a, a bunch of stories about me bitching. So it was more, you know, it was a little bit more serious in a way. Yeah. And I wanted it to be more inspirational. And so I'm still working on it. it, it I haven't let that dream die. Uh, I know that I could write a second book that would just be like Bitchy Waiter 2 and it'd just be more bitching and complaining. But I was really hoping that the second book could be a little bit more elevated in a way. Not that the first one I'm not proud of. I just wanted to kind of take it to the next level. So I'm trying to figure out the, how to make the second book happen and, and appease the, the, my agent and the publisher, but still make myself happy because I feel like I've moved in a new direction. Yeah. I, I think now, I think it's, it's one of those things where it's like, as you've grown over the years, you're, you now are kind of, that's exactly what you're talking about from an inspirational standpoint. You want to share a little bit more from a personal side you yeah. know, Hey, this is how I got to where I am. Um, and I think that's a great idea. It's I, to be quite honest with you. I feel like when anybody, and I just posted myself today, I just posted about vulnerability. Right. And I yeah. talked about, I said, the minute that I started telling people the truth about things that happened to me, like bankruptcy and divorce. And, you know, I had a client, like literally a car got repossessed right in front of one of my clients. I closed the deal, walked out the door and there was a tow truck there repossessing my car. And I was wow. like, the minute that I started talking about that type of stuff and let and became like super transparent and super vulnerable, everyone started kind of, you know, magnetizing towards me more. Um, there's like-minded people. And I, man, it's, it's, it's a bummer. They don't, they don't see that because I really truly think that your fans would be like, wow, this is awesome. Cause it's more of like a behind the scenes kind of thing. Yeah. The, the second book, what I'm working on now, it's, it's about, um, because yeah, clearly I work in the restaurant industry, but I've had a shit ton of jobs over yeah. in my life. And I totaled up all my jobs based on my journals that I've kept since 1982. And it turned out I'd had 108 jobs in, oh. in my life. So I was, you know, I was kind of writing this story about, or this book about all the different jobs I've had. So it was similar to the first book in that it was little snippets of things, but this book isn't only about the restaurant industry. It's about, you know, this job I had at this place and this place and how you spend your whole life working towards something. You know, I have always had this bigger goal in my mind, but what's really happening is while you're working towards that goal, 
your, your life is happening at the same time. And if you're not paying attention to it, then your life just slips by. And so I want this book to be like, look how many jobs I've had that have all led me to where I am today. And even though I thought this job was really shitty in 1994, I couldn't have gotten to where I am today without doing that job. So I kind of want it to be like how everything is connected, but my agent was like, yeah, no. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, man, I totally disagree with what that, his mindset from that standpoint, because what you just said is, is quite literally my story. And there's a lot of people, um, you know, not only to follow, follow me, but listen, listen to the show. That's basically, you know, say the same thing where it's like, man, this, they, they put so much emphasis on what happened to them before this bad thing that happened to them before. And right now in their life, they're really, really good and things are going great. And I'm like, you, do you realize that, that that bad decision that you made or that negative situation that you were in led you to this point? I said, yeah. if that wouldn't have occurred, you wouldn't be here. So exactly. it was like you had, to, you had to go through that to learn that lesson to get here. Does that make sense? And they would be like, oh my God, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I really, really think that 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 part of uh, I, I got to be honest with you, that might be the best part of the podcast. That might be the quote pulled from this thing. Um, that, <laughs> I mean, and this is great. And this is why I wanted you on the show, because I wanted people to see the other side of you. I wanted people to see the, the inspirational, motivational side of you, because um, a lot of us come to you to be entertained. But I think a lot of us can also come to you for influence and motivation as well. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people don't always see because they're looking for entertainment from you but yeah. when you do share that type of information i think it really does help a lot of people and they probably dm you about it but that, that's awesome man well that's how i feel too that you know as i've been writing this blog now for so many years the blog has definitely changed it's not just stories about what happened to me in the restaurant industry a lot of times i end up writing stories about um how you know, there's nothing wrong with being a server and we should, you know, be proud of what it is you do. If, if you're happy with your life, don't let somebody else judge you because you wear an apron for a living. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. And right. I, that, that's what I kind of have become. Like, I want to be this voice of servers. Like, it's okay to be a server, be happy with what you do and just live your life and be happy with it. Yeah, and, I mean, and, you, and you're doing that. I mean, there's, there's no question about it. So you, you started the blog, blog, blog takes off, does well. When, when did you, where was the next step for you? The next step with you was Facebook, right? Yeah. Then I started the Facebook page and that was just me trying to get, figure out a way to get people to my blog because okay. you know, that was when Facebook was really starting to happen. Yeah. So I mean, even to this day, I, the majority of my traffic on my blog comes from my Facebook page. You know, when okay. I put a link on my Facebook page, all that traffic goes to my blog. So th that's when I started the Facebook page. And that was just a way for me to, I mean, I remember when I was so excited that I hit a hundred people, you know, and then it turned into a thousand people. And now I'm like at 850,000. Yeah, you're almost at like a million followers. I know. I know. It's so crazy. And, but, but that's just, and now Facebook is this different animal. You know, there's so many things on Facebook and, I'm not the best at it. I'm pretty good at getting engagement and getting people to figuring out what people will want to share. But as far as the business side of Facebook, you know, I pretty much suck at that, you know, monetization and all of that. I'm horrible at that, but yeah, well, I, that's what I do for a living. So we'll talk about that off the air. Yes, you can. <laughs> With eight, you know, I would put it like this. You guys want me to keep doing this? Everybody's got to, every, every one of my followers has to send me a dollar a month. <laughs> 
Oh my God, wouldn't that be amazing? Right, or a dollar a year, right? You got 800,000 followers, they oh send you a dollar a year, you're making $800,000 a year. Oh my, and my expectations are really low, so they could really send me a penny a year and I would still be really fucking excited about that. <laughs> well, you know what, dude, and that's the other thing, that's what makes you so badass and so cool, is that you, you, you don't ask for that. You're just like, I'm putting this shit out here. If you guys like it, follow me. That's awesome. If you don't like me, fuck you. It doesn't matter. Yeah. That, and I'm that same mindset, right? And, yeah. we, and when you have that mindset, you attract so many other people because there's a lot of people that want to feel that way and be that way, but they don't have the ability to do that. So they're attracted to people that have the willingness to do that. And that's what ends up happening. And that's where you build that tribe. You have that, these 800,000 people that are behind you. And that's a very, very powerful thing. I think so too. And Facebook has, you know, they, they always want me to um, do like a subscription fan base, you know, where for yeah. this amount of money, you get special content. And, and I kind of toyed with the idea for a little while, but I just thought, like, well, first of all, I have a hard enough time coming up with content. So I don't want to come up with extra content just for people who are paying for it. Sure. And, so I, and I couldn't do it. And then a lot of people always tell me, you should do a Patreon page, you know, where people pay a certain amount a month. For, I'm like, the same thing. Like, I, I don't want to be that person because I, I, I just want the stuff to be things that people like. I don't want people to have to pay for it. Right. And it would be nice for you to make some money off of it. But, you know, where is that line? I, you know, I can't charge people to be on the bitchy waiter Facebook page. That's just lame. You know? you know, and I think, I think at the end of the day, I think the legacy of you is more important to you than the monetization of what you do. Yeah. And I think the monetization will just come. And I, I, I and, and it's probably, I mean, already there. I don't know how many books you've sold, but I, well, I'll assume that it's been quite a bit. And I think when people like someone and they don't ask for anything in return, um, the support that if you were to put something out and say, you know, hey guys, I really want to keep doing this, but I need a little bit of support from you guys. Um, and I don't think that's a selfish way of asking. I think, you know, there would be a, a ton of people behind you to help support that. And I know I would, of course, I would be one of them um, because the, the, to have people that have the mentality and the abilities and the creativeness that like you and the shift drink guys. And I mean, just they're so drunk history guys. I mean, he's from Baltimore. He's from our hometown, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, good. Awesome guy. Um, I mean, all these guys, you know, honest restaurant manager, same kind of, same kind of deal. You guys all, you guys all care more about your fans than you care about making money. And that, that is why I truly believe that you guys are so much more successful than, than everybody else that tries to monetize it. Yeah. It's, I think you're right. I mean, it's, it, as nice as it would be to have a shit ton of money, um, I just haven't figured out how to find the happy medium of, I think someone else, I think someone else comes up with that idea. Like when I was talking, when I was talking to, um, uh, Dominic and those guys, you know, I said the same thing. I said, you guys are already on your way. You guys are already making content. You guys are already creating channels of, of where people can go and fall down that rabbit hole of entertainment. I said, eventually, you know, someone's going to come to you guys, all of you guys all, all together and say, let's do something on reality TV and let's make it funny. And I, and I think that it's only a matter of time. I think something like that is going to occur. I think that your creativeness will make it to where it's supposed to be. And I think that's where you guys are going to end up seeing the most success. I think something streaming and something really awesome. And I think it's starting to happen for them and you already. Um, seeing you guys kind of pair up and do this thing is, is really exciting for a lot of people anyway. So um, it's kind of cool to see those types of partnerships. So yeah, the Facebook page, 
Facebook page started. Then you jumped over to Instagram. Yeah, I've been doing Instagram for about maybe three years, four years. I don't even know. And I kind of just, whenever there's a new social media app that comes out, I, I immediately go get it just so I can have it, you know, so that I can have nobody else can get in there and get, get, get bitchy waiter. So I have Snapchat, which I never use. Um, you know, I have a lot of them that I don't ever use. So I you get TikTok yet. I have it. Um, and I don't, you know, I haven't really mastered it because it, like I said, it's, it's just me. It's pretty much does this. So, you know, and I have other jobs and things that I have to go to. So like, I just look at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, those are, and YouTube to an extent, but then YouTube changed their, you know, the way they run things a couple of years ago or about a year and a half ago. Well, so. we'll talk about that because if you ever want us to help distribute the content for you on a daily basis, you know, we'll help you do that. Cause I believe that, um, I, I believe that if you started posting on Snapchat and TikTok now, um, it will, it, it's going to elongate the lifespan of the bitchy waiter over the next 10 to 15 to 20 years, because what you're then doing is what, what you're doing right now is smart, by the way, if you're not going to use those platforms, you're going out and get your username. That's really, really smart. But at the same time, if you start distributing that content now on those platforms where those 18 to 25 year olds are, and yeah. you start tracking them as your fan base, dude, you, you, all you're doing right now is you're just putting equity into that younger generation. So we'll talk about that off air, but I'll tell you, it's, that's something that we would, we, we could 100% do for you on a daily basis to get that, to cast that wider net. And that's what I was talking about yesterday. When Instagram and Facebook went down yesterday, you know, influencers like you, like where the fuck did you guys go? Right. You guys went to Twitter. I went to Twitter and because I had, I had a blog post written yesterday that um, I think I thought was going to do really well, but I didn't want to put it on Facebook because Facebook was so fucked up yesterday. Yep. So, you know, I, I was like, I'm not going to waste it and put it up there and nobody sees it. So I didn't post, I think I posted one little thing yesterday because I didn't want to waste it if they saw it. So the blog post that I wrote yesterday is actually scheduled now on Facebook for tomorrow because Facebook got their shit together. Yep. Um, you know, and I was trying to post it on Instagram. I'm like, oh, they're fucked up too. We go to Twitter. And, um, but Twitter is kind of a harder nut to crack for me. Like I don't have that many followers on Twitter In Instagram and Facebook. I have a lot. So I feel like when I put it on Twitter, not as many people are seeing it, but you know, there's so many social media platforms out there. And I'm just trying to figure out where should I, I don't want to put all of my eggs in one basket, which is pretty much what I've learned I've done with Facebook. And when Facebook is down or what, you know, my page was hacked about a month ago. Yep. Um, you know, I didn't have my page for four or five days. And I was like, oh my God, I have put all of my energy into one social media platform and one person just stole it. And now I have absolutely nothing. I got it back, but I've spent five days freaking the hell out. And I also learned a valuable message. Like I need to expand my horizons with social media. Yeah. I mean, I just posted yesterday about this. Um, and it's funny, the day before yesterday, I, I was talking in front of probably I don't know, 45, 55 real estate agents, social media, marketing people, things of that nature. They had me come in and speak about, you know, um, you know, the current you know, digital landscape. And, and I, the first thing I said to them is I, I, I took a poll of how many people are on which platforms. And I said, here's what you need to do. You need to cast a wider net. And then yesterday I posted just the symbol of that image of the half circle with the arrow. Yeah. Literally put on the top of it, cast a wider net. And you, I, that, because when you do that, 
you, you're not going to freak out because you're like, okay, that's cool. Facebook and Instagram are down right now. I can still share my content to Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, all these other different pages. And th that's the funniest thing is LinkedIn is a lot like Facebook. Now you can really get super creative. It's not that B2B bullshit anymore. Um, you can really create some amazing relationships on there that can take you to the next level. Um, and so that's what I always talk about, casting the wider net. So then you're never stuck in a situation like that where yeah. if you're an influencer and you're only on Instagram or you're only on Facebook and it goes down because it's this is twice in now the last 90 days. Yeah. It's going to keep happening. They're not going to be able to, I mean, shit, shit is happening. Um, and if that's the case, you know, people need to start waking up and going, holy shit, man, I've got to expand uh, my, my brand. I've got to expand the awareness of my brand to these other people. Yeah. I should probably look into LinkedIn a little bit more. I have it, you know, I don't go to it that often. We'll, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk all fair about it because <laughs> we, we can help, we can help with that. And you know, and you know me brother, since I'm, since I'm a total fanboy, like, I'll, I'll just do it for free. Okay. Deal. Cause I, cause I love you, babe. <laughs> um, so, all right. So yeah, so you, you know, that's your evolution. Your evolution was, uh, had, you know, you were working, you got pissed off. You started a blog, you stayed anonymous for seven years, started a Facebook page, Facebook page blows up. You're like, fuck it. I'm going over to Instagram. Instagram page blows up. You go over to Twitter. Twitter's eh for you. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, even though you say you don't have that many followers, you saying you don't have that many followers, compared to everybody else is probably completely different, but I don't even think that, that you care about that, to be quite honest with you. So then yeah, you write the book in the midst of all that, the book sells, you're, you're rolling, and now, but you're still waiting tables. I mean, for the most part, yeah. Like, you know, I, I was pretty vocal about this. The restaurant that I worked at closed about, yeah. oh, maybe two weeks ago. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm in, I'm kind of in between service jobs. Um, but the, my restaurant, I just found out yesterday, it's reopening for like three weeks because the person who was coming in backed out. So now the current owner is going to reopen. So I, I will be back at the restaurant in a couple of weeks for about, I don't know, two or three weeks. And then after that, I have to get another restaurant job. But that's just, you know, I, I only want to work part-time in a restaurant these days. When I started the blog, I was working full-time restaurant and right. catering, you know, that's all I did. But over the years, I've kind of narrowed it down to how many days a week I want to work at the restaurant. And I don't want to work at the restaurant like 40, 60 hours a week anymore. So now how do I find a job in a restaurant that's cool with me just working like super part-time, you know, like two days a week? It blows my mind. Okay, here, here's my question to you. How are there not restaurants knocking down your door saying, please come work for us? Well, there have been a couple. They're just not like, somebody did offer me a job in New Jersey. And I said, well, could I just work there one day a week? Would you be okay with that? And she said, name the day. But the thing is, it's like, it's in New Jersey. And I, don't, I live in Queens. I don't right. want to take like two subways and the path train to get to work. But it's there. So I, you're right. There's got to be some restaurant that would be okay with me coming into work you know, once or twice a week, but they just also have to be cool with me, like taking notes about what's happening and snapping a few pictures in the walk-in. They have to understand too, that the person on the blog is a different person who's actually at the restaurant working. And that's, you know, the restaurant that I that just closed, I've worked there for eight years and, and I was anonymous. He didn't know I was running that blog when I started there, but now he does, you know, eventually he 
learned about it. And he understood that the person that, that I am at work is responsible and professional and does a great job. But the person that I write as is none of those things. But, you know, my boss got it. He's like, oh, he's not really drunk at work all the time. You know, he's just kind of like this character online. So I just need a restaurant that understands that there's, you know, it's two different people. But in my head, what I would, what I, the idea that I would have in my head would be, and so first of all, if I was a restaurant owner and I knew that the bitchy waiter, right, was, I would treat it almost like a baseball contract. If I knew that the bitchy waiter was available as a free agent, I would hire him to come in and I would literally say, make sure you come in on Mondays to get, you know, to meet the bitchy waiter, this, that, everything. I would try, I would, I would try to create profitability around that. And I know that it would work in acceptance of that influence or as an agent, as your manager, and I think your manager should probably talk to you about this, is that create almost like a travel plan where one day pick out, you know, restaurants can, can submit on your website for you to come wait tables for them one day, one day, right? And people can, fans can come meet you and things of that nature and all this other kind of stuff. I, I think that that would be one of the most badass things anyway. It would be like the bitchy tour. I think that'd be awesome. I pitched a reality show for that and, um, you know, nobody's into it, but I'm, I'm going to repitch it because I, I, that's kind of what I wanted to do where I would just go into a restaurant, you know, and take over a shift, you know, and it's like, yeah. um, and you know, just like they throw me in, I figure it out and I'm taking over for somebody. They get the day off. I work my ass off. I make all these tips. And at the end of the day, that person comes back and I give them all the tips I've made, you know, and, but it's also about learning the restaurant, the food they serve, the people who come there, the people you work with. Like I pitch it like diners, uh, drive-ins and dives meets like, I don't know, like, something else, you know, where it's like, you're learning about the restaurant, but you're also there to just kind of meet the people who work there and what it's like to work in a restaurant. And that's, I think it could work. I I would love for that to work. Um, And I've also thought maybe doing like a, what if I kind of did like a trivia night, like, Hey, let me come in and I'll do trivia night for you guys. And um, I can bring in my fan base, bring some people into your restaurant. It, they're all ideas that I think are viable. I just have to get my lazy ass in gear and make it happen. Yeah, I wish you would do that because I think that there's a lot of really good ideas there. And um, so, I, I, I mean, obviously, you're never going to be out of a job. Someone's always going to, someone's always going to come to you and say, "Look, hey, man, we need you." But I think the smart restaurant owner, if they're intelligent and they're and they are able to see forward that they can use it as a very good way to kind of put themselves on the map if they're not already on the map or if they are on the map to put themselves even further on the map. So I, it's beyond me and I just, I just don't understand it. But um, so let's talk about this thing that's, that's happening in Vegas in September. Yeah. Um, you know, I did a, um, like, you know, I said, I'm an actor and singer and all that. So I wrote a show, the bitchy waiter show. I don't know, maybe six years ago, I did it for the first time. And it really is just stories from my blog interspersed with music. And uh, so it's like comedy and singing, but it's not bitchy only. It's very touching. And um, so I've done it here in New York City a few times over the years. Well, I I signed up with this uh, agency that books gigs around the country. And I have three shows in Las Vegas on September 22nd and 23rd. And they're free. Like you don't even have to buy a ticket. You just show up. And so I'm doing, it's my 70, I think it's 70 minute show and it's in Vegas. And if you're in that part of the country, come 
fucking check out my show. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I was, I was just out in Vegas. I was talk. I did a, um, I did a, I did a, one of the, I don't know if it was, a, I guess it was considered a keynote. I did a keynote at the uh, nightclub and bar show. And then I got actually asked to, to, after that, it was, it, it went out really, really well. I mean, it, it was taken by the, the people that were there really well. And they reached out to me and they were like, Hey, we want you to start writing blogs for nightclub and bar. And we want you to come back next year and do it even bigger and this and everything else. And I got to tell you, that was my first time out in Vegas. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be one way and Vegas ended up being like super awesome. Like it was not what I expected. And the food is spectacular. Yeah. Restaurants out there are amazing. There's a lot of great restaurants there. I've been to Vegas a few times over the years. Yeah. Um, And it's funny because every time I go, I say, all right, I'm never going back here again. I don't need to go back here ever again. And then like three years later, something will come up. You know, my friend had a birthday party. I'm like, oh, I guess we're going to Vegas again. (laughs) So, but this will be the first time I'm ever going to Vegas for a job. Yeah. um, I am really excited about it. I want to set everybody's expectations to reality because it's not like I'm going to be on the strip. You know, it's not like Celine Dion, Britney Spears and the bitchy waiter. It's like, I'm in these little theaters that are, you know, like off the beaten path, but it doesn't matter. It's still Vegas. And you know, I'm going to Photoshop a picture of me like on the strip, like next to Celine Dion or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's cool because your, your real passion is, is acting. And, and I, I think a lot of that comes, I mean, obviously that comes through because I remember the first time I ever saw you was doing a video and you were, you were doing a video. I think you were in your kitchen and I think it was during Christmas time, if I'm not mistaken, I'm a Christmas baby. I was born on Christmas Eve and I think it was during Christmas time and you were doing a Christmas song and I remember watching it and just going, this guy is fucking hilarious. And then that was it for me. Like I fanboyed after that and was following from then on. My Christmas videos are my favorite. Every year I do a Christmas song and I write, write new lyrics for, you know, for waiting tables. And it's, that's my, that's, I think the first videos I did were, were Christmas videos. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, so that's basically what the show is. It's like songs that I took and I rewrote the lyrics to be about the restaurant industry. And every time I've done the show, people like there's a there's a really nice sweet section in it about my grandmother and it's it's really touching and there's a really beautiful song in it and people are always surprised like hey you can sing I'm like yeah it's what I like went to college for it's like what I aspired to do and people always see the show and they say man your show was like it was funny but it was also really sweet like you made me cry you're a really good actor I'm like hey Thanks. They're like, you should be on Broadway. I'm like, oh, you think? Like, you think that, like, maybe that's why I moved to New York in 1900 <laughs> Broadway? Never thought of that before. But, so, yeah, it's like, dude, I'm a fucking actor, man. I'm like, I, I am a waiter, but, like, I'm an actor. So I, so I think people, when they see the show, they're always, they're always surprised that, that it's as, as meaningful as it is and how I think, I mean, I think it's really well done. I'm really, really proud of that show. So I can't wait to do it in Vegas. So give me the dates real quick on the September thing. It's September 22nd and 23rd. It's, um, there's going to be like one show on Friday night and a Saturday matinee and a Saturday night show. And I'm going to put everything up on my Facebook page and okay. out on the blog once I get all the final details. The, the contracts have been signed, but once I get all like, all the final details i'm going to put it out there but i it is free you literally just have to show up so it should be it should be really awesome i can't wait i think it's gonna be great 
it's awesome that it's free, but uh, he does accept tips, ladies and gentlemen. So if, oh, feel yeah. free to throw cash at him while he's on stage. I should. I should put a fucking tip. You should bucket. put a fucking tip bucket in the oh, front God. of the stage. I'm going to do that. I'm going to put a tip bucket there right by the door so when people leave. I hadn't thought about it. <laughs> Be like, yeah, you want to get a fucking selfie? Yeah. Pay for that bitch. Oh, my God. I'm totally doing that. That's I know. Do it. That's happening. Charge a dollar per selfie. Exactly. Yes. All right, so I don't like to get into politics because I don't even think anybody really knows who I am. But you wanted to talk about Miss Cor- uh, Miss Cortez's uh, uh, that everyone's shooting her down for being in the oh uh, uh, restaurant industry, oh, which have so, so fucking weird. But hate for her and and like you know I, yeah I actually and I live in the district where I was I actually voted for Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, okay. um, but what this week. Um, Piers Morgan, you know, that douchebag in, in Great Britain, said something about how she, she's not qualified to do her job because she was only a, she was a bartender 18 months ago. And, and she, you know, tweeted back like, hey, if there were more of us in Congress who had a blue collar job 18 months ago, maybe we would have health care in this country and maybe people would remember how difficult it is to struggle to pay your bills. And so I'm always, like I said earlier, I'm always in support of people being waiters and servers and, and working a, an honest job. And when people come after her because she was a waitress and now she's you know, in the Senate or, or in, you know, in Congress, it just pisses me off. And then people come to me and, and call me names because I'm supporting her. And I'm thinking, I'm not supporting her policies necessarily. I'm just supporting the fact that she was a waitress and she had bigger dreams and bigger goals, which a lot of people who work in restaurants do. A lot of people don't, and that's totally great too. If that's what you want to do, then embrace it, do it, live your life. But there are a lot of people in the restaurant industry who have a bigger goal and working in a restaurant allows them to work toward that goal and that's exactly what she did and she succeeded and people give her shit for being a waitress and a bartender a year and a half ago and it just pisses me off because i'm thinking there's nothing wrong with being a bartender and a waitress so just get off her case and you don't have to like her policies but you can at least appreciate that she was working in the service industry until she got her big break that's that's all i want to say about it people can come after me about her policies and I will, def- I'll defend that too, but you will never, you, you can't, it just pisses me off that people think that she is unqualified because she was a waitress because that's. Yeah. And, and I agree with you on that. Um, and like, and like I said, you know, we won't get like into like any kind of like political stuff, but I, I think at the end of the day, um, I think people need to be more respectful of, of people's, pa- uh, people's past. You know, um, a lot of, <clears throat> there's people that come to me, obviously, you know, we, we, we run a you know, million dollar agency over here and I'll sit in a room with people. And of course I've got like tattoos and I wear jeans and t-shirts and all that kind of stuff. And I don't dress up in suits. And um, you know, I did, I dropped out of college, right. To start, to start our business. And uh, a lot of people, you know, like the, one of the first questions out of their mouth when they meet me, they're like, well, you know, you're, you, you guys have this, you know, successful business, you know, where did you go to college? And I'm like, well, I dropped out. And they're like, Oh really? Why'd you do that? And I'm like, well, I don't know, you know, Steve jobs, Bill Gates and, Everybody yeah. else did it. You know, what's the difference? And yeah. I, I, I think, and I, and I truly believe this, I think that the, not our generation, right? I'm, I'm, in, I, I'm not sure how old you are. I mean, I'm not even going to ask, but I'm in, I'm four, I just turned 40. Not our generation, but the generation behind us and then behind them, I feel are um, 
very good at detecting bullshitters and are fed up and they're finally starting to see that it doesn't matter what you do. It matters what you do at the end when you get to the goal that you're trying to reach. And so yeah. at the end of the day, you've got to respect what she's done from, from a voyage standpoint, a journey standpoint. That's how I look at it, that she's 30 years old and she's gotten a lot of shit done yep. for a 30 year old. And she worked her way through college and, you know, working in the restaurant industry, just like a lot of fucking people do. But um, I just don't like to see people uh, demeaning her because she was in the restaurant industry, because I'm always going to stand up for somebody who was in the restaurant industry, no matter yeah. what policy is. So. Well, it's funny you bring that up because that gets us into a very selfish question for me. Being that you've been in the restaurant industry probably as long, probably long, longer or just as long as some of the most successful people in the industry that I know have been, um, what is your take? Because, you know, restaurant reputations, what we do is we help these restaurants kind of evolve from a digital standpoint. But, you know, the pillar of what we do is reputation management, you know, how to deal with reviews properly and things of that nature. What's your take on online reviews? Well, I think, I feel like whenever I read a bad review, you know, I need to take it with a grain of salt as most people do. Because first of all, I feel like when somebody has a really great experience, they're probably not going to bother to leave a review about that. Most people don't. They only want to go to the trouble to leave a review when they're unhappy about something. So, you know, I, I always keep that in mind. And I always look at a bad review I'll go back to look at that person's review history and what other reviews they've written. And it seems like most of the time, oh, they've written eight reviews and seven of them are one star, you know, so they only want to complain about shit. Um, as far as, you know, I mean, I like reviews. If I'm going to go out to a restaurant, I'm going to look at reviews and I'm not, but I'm not going to read all of them. I just kind of want to see like, okay, this has got a thousand reviews and it's four point five stars. That's good enough for me. But I, what I love is when a restaurant responds to the reviews in a, in a professional way, but explaining their side of the case. And I think that's so important these days that restaurants do stand up for themselves in, in a review situation when it's something that is clearly one-sided. And I love to see when a restaurant stands up for themselves and, and says, no, this is what actually happened. And this is why, your review is a fucking pile of bullshit. <laughs> What's your go-to review page? Probably, you know, as much as I give shit about them. I knew it. Yelp, just because they're the, um, you know, that's the one where you're going to see the most reviews about stuff and you'll get the biggest picture of something. Um, you know, I don't write a lot of Yelp reviews. When I first started the blog, I used to write a lot of Yelp reviews and I would like link them on Yelp. So I'd try to get more traffic, <laughs> but right. uh, Yelp, you know, made me stop doing that. But I, I go to Yelp, uh, you know, if I've never been to a restaurant, I'm going to go to Yelp and just see like, okay, they've got plenty of reviews. That means plenty of people like it, but I'm not going to read, you know, Sally, whoever's one-star review about the time that, you know, somebody pissed them off. Cause that's just personal opinion and bullshit. Yeah, it's, it's funny because a couple of points that you brought up, you know, and, and so we've done, obviously, we have to do our, our due diligence on a lot of the evidence that we find. What we found was, believe it or not, and this is a statistical fact, there are more positive, and I consider a four-star review a positive review, there are more positive reviews across every single review page than there are negative reviews. Yeah. 
which is hard to believe, right? Because yeah. we don't necessarily always remember the positive reviews when somebody right. leaves it, but we really remember those negative ones. But it, it, it really makes me happy to hear that statistic because it makes me feel that the majority of us are willing to, if we have a good experience, to share it with others and really help support these businesses out there. Yeah, I try to do it because I don't write a lot of reviews, but yeah. um, I will leave, I have left good reviews for people on Yelp and because I want to, you know, I want to commend someone. If somebody goes out of their way and they do a really great thing at the restaurant, I want to leave a good review. And if, if somebody does a really, you know, it's not very often I'm going to leave a really horrible review. I'll just save that for my blog. But <laughs> right, right. I feel like it depends on the situation. I really get pissed off when I see somebody leaving a one-star review because, um, you know, their car got keyed while they were in the, in, you know, in the parking lot or somebody's like, Oh, one star because the, it was too crowded. We couldn't eat there. Like that's not a genuine review. Like right. leave one star because it was so crowded that that's probably a good reason to go there because it's crowded. So if I'm going to leave a review, most of the time it's going to be a good one because I want to, but you know, contrary to my bitchy attitude, I want to try to put out some good vibes out there for restaurants. Well, your opinion drives a lot of influence now too. I mean, you in my if you were to write a review of a restaurant, uh, it could make or break that restaurant. Well, I have done. I mean, I haven't done it a long time, but I, when I first started, if I would go to a restaurant, I would. Uh, well, when I first started the blog, I, I would sometimes write about an experience at a particular restaurant, and you know, talk about how great the service was and what the drink was like and, and what the ambiance was. And, and I would just write that as a blog post. I don't do it so much anymore because now I feel like it would look like I'm pandering, like, Hey, look what I wrote about you. So the next time I come in, you'll give me free stuff. Like that's not why I do it. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm going to, I'm not going to turn down free stuff. Don't get me wrong. But sure. if I write a review now and put that on my page, I feel like it would look like I was doing it for sneaky reasons, trying to get some free shit. Yeah, exactly. And so what, this kind of tailwinds into what we were talking about from an educational standpoint, since you've been in this industry for so long, um, sometimes it, it, things happen inside restaurants, uh, customers come in and, and they, you know, they do a dine and dash and things of that nature. Um, and one that can end up in a negative review, obviously. Um, but at the end of the day, restaurants have to deal with that. And of course, servers have to deal with that. And you had mentioned to me at one point that um, it's illegal for a restaurant to make a server pay for a walkout. Yeah, that's not legal. And um, it happens all the time. You know, people write me all the time that somebody walked out and their boss, their manager made them pay for it. I'm like, that is not legal. That, that you're, you're not allowed to make a server do that. And, you know, you can, you can write a server up for it and you could potentially, then they could fire you for some other reason always but i always tell servers no if somebody walked out on your check why is it your responsibility it, it's not that that is the, that's just the cost of doing business that's the same as if a glass gets broken if somebody drops a bunch of silverware into the trash can it's part of doing business that occasionally somebody is going to shoplift something you know in a if you're at Macy's and somebody shoplifts a tie, they would never ask the salesperson to pay for that tie. But for some reason in the restaurant business, managers think like the server is responsible for the thievery of a customer. It's not legal. It's not legal at all. Pisses me off. 
<laughs> yeah, and so I think that that's where you know, hey, some of the good restaurateurs that I know, I mean, there, there's a lot of them, um, a lot, and a lot of them are our clients, and they really do a great job of taking care of their staff. They do a really good job of defending their staff in situations. One of the things that I've also noticed sometimes is that the not necessarily the staff, or I'm sorry, the customer that causes the negative situation online for a restaurant, that it's actually a staff member. Yeah. And I've seen that before. I've actually seen it happen. Um, has, have you ever experienced anything like that in any, any, anywhere you've ever worked? Like, not that I've seen that, that popped up on a review. I mean, I, I know that I've seen situations where it was definitely the staff member that was the problem. Right. You know, they didn't handle something well or, or they, their attitude got in the way of giving the cert. I mean, even if a customer's an asshole, you, you know, you kind of just have to put up with it. It's just part of the job. But I've seen situations where, where servers did, definitely made a situation worse by not handling it the right way. But luckily I've never seen it where it actually ended up online in a review or something. But I feel like service just have to, if, if a customer is treating you like shit, the best way to, to deal with that is just to get yourself out of the situation and don't respond. It, it's, it's never going to benefit you to come back at them with attitude or call them a name or anything. Right. It's only going to get you fired. You know, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, there's no question about it because the owner and the, the proprietor of the restaurant is going to side with the customer. It's just kind of right. how it is, at least from that public standpoint. Exactly. I mean, even if the customer is wrong, then, you know, if, if the customer is wrong, that doesn't mean that you as a server can say, well, you're wrong and you're a fucking asshole. Well, okay, now you're going to get fired for calling a customer an asshole when if you could have just said, I'm sorry, you, I'm sorry you feel that way. Let me have my manager see what they can do. Take yep. your out of it let the person who's getting a salary deal with the problems like that don't just stir it up more because all it's going to do is lose your tip and maybe lose your job or at least lose shifts you're going to get written up or get on probation just take yourself out of it you know as as or be like me and just go home and write a blog post about it <laughs> yes exactly and you know what's funny so the ang is are, are you familiar with the angry bartender yes okay so nobody knows who he is he's going to be he's going to be one of the next guests on the show Cool. And he's anonymous, obviously, still. And I think he probably wants to keep it that way, and his fans want to keep it that way. What do you, what do you think, from a standpoint of the anonymity of this, is it better sometimes? I mean, do you almost regret sometimes the, the loss of Mystique, or are you happy that you came out? Well, it was fun when, when I was completely anonymous because I felt like I could say a lot more right, and, and not be worried about, uh, pushback from it um, from an egotistical point of view it's great because I you know I mean obviously I moved to New York City to be an actor so if if more people are going to recognize my face of course it's going to make me feel good and stroke my ego but I do miss the you know when I was anonymous and I could that's why I think the beginning of my blog was a lot harsher than it is now because I could say whatever I wanted and knew that nobody would know who was actually saying it. Right. So I do miss that. And, but I know I can't ever go back to that, but um, also from like a, a job perspective, I know now that I am so linked to the bitchy waiter. If anybody, if I went into a job and they Googled my name, they're going to see what I do. And 
you know, for the first five or seven years, that wasn't going to happen. I could get a job in a restaurant. Nobody would know that I was going to be writing about it. But now if I get a job in a restaurant, I can't just kind of try to hide who I am. They're going to yeah, absolutely. who I am. So I, I miss that. But yeah, and I think he's just holding on to that. It's funny because we were trying to figure out we have to we, we're going to have to disguise his voice during the, the during the episode. So um, there were a lot of people that were fearful of you know oh man they're going to find out who you are and we were like no we're going to make sure that we protect him you know and 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 respect his the anonymity that he's created around himself and and so yeah and I, it's funny because I was talking to Phil who's the honest restaurant manager yesterday about it and and I said did you do something when you finally took the hood off did you. Do, did you release it in this epic proportionate way? And he's like, no, but I wish I did. Did you do that or no? Or did no, you just go, no, I'm there. I, no, I didn't. Like, I think, I think the very first video I put out, it might not have been a Christmas one. I think it was, um, I did one called My Favorite Things, you know, the song from Sound of Music. And it yep. was, and it I've was, seen just, it. okay. So it's just like, you know, all these horrible things that I hate at restaurants. And I did it with my face. I didn't say my name, but I, you know, I did a video and, and a couple of my friends were writing me like, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you want to put your face out there? I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, what's going to happen? And so I didn't do it like in an epic way. I, I kind of wish I would have, but it kind of just slowly evolved where, you know, I did a show and they needed to know my name and then it just kind of slowly happened. I think yeah, so, so Angry Bartender, if you're listening, that is Darren now has said he wishes he would have done it, done it that way. Phil, yeah, uh, restaurant manager, said he wishes he would have done it that way. So if you ever decide to take that hood off, yeah, do it in an epic, like awesome, like build up, like almost like a movie kind of way. You know what I mean? Like, like a really cool entertaining movie way to kind of like blast it out there. I think that would be a really cool way to do that. I think so too. Make a Facebook event, do a countdown clock, do the whole thing. Like, yeah, dude, make sure you message him about that. Be like, dude, if you ever are going to do this, I mean, like, it'd be great for the, you know, for the traffic at least. So. Oh, hundred percent. There's no question about it. Um, one last thing I, I, I want to ask you about is um, the, give me three tips, three tips for waiters and from a standpoint of dealing with negative customers uh, and then three tips for customers to deal with servers, something that they should be doing for these servers that uh, maybe they're not already doing. Okay. We'll start with the servers. So tips for servers with, with a, with a negative, with a, with a bad customer or just, okay. Yep. With a bad customer, just three tips. I would say um, I, I always tell people don't, don't focus on it. You know, don't, don't dwell on a shitty tip. Just move on to the next table. You know, just don't like somebody's going to leave you a bad tip, move on to the next table, put your focus on the person who's going to make your next tip better. I would also say, um, leave similar to that, leave your work at work. You know, we don't work in an industry where you have to take our work home with us. I always say the only thing I take home with me is the smell of like fajita smoke in my hair. Like just when you get home, like, don't worry about your job. Like just, it, just when you punch out, you are done with waiting tables. Uh, third, if, if a customer is going to upset you, um, what I said earlier, don't engage with it. Just smile, that fake ass smile that we all have, apologize and let your, let your manager handle the situation. That's, that, those are my three tips for that. Three tips for servers. And now let's go three tips for customers. Uh, three tips for customers, I would say, um, I would, I would want them to recognize that servers are taking care of a lot of people and not just 
them. So if something's taking a little bit longer than you're expecting it should take, just recognize that there are probably five or six other tables with three to four people at that, those tables that the server is also taking care of. I also would suggest, please make eye contact with your server. Um, nothing upsets us more than going up to a table and asking them how they are and getting no response or even, you know, a glance up to look at us and recognize us as human beings. Just smile at us and remember that we're human beings too. And we're not your, you know, we're not there as servants. We're there to assist you with your meal. Uh, the last thing I would say for customers is, um, if you are unhappy with the service or you're unhappy with something, um, tell us because we can't know that you're not happy unless you tell us we're not mind readers. So nothing is going to piss me off more than thinking that everything was great. And you never told me that something was wrong, but then on the credit card receipt, you left a big fat zero and said, you know, my steak was overcooked. Just tell us when something's not right, because our job is to make it better, but we can only make it better if you tell us what's wrong. So there you have it. Those are great tips because I think a lot of people just, uh, at least nowadays, are they want to avoid the confrontation so they don't say anything. And even when a manager does, does a table touch, they still don't say anything and then they go and they leave a negative review. So um, that's kind of one of the things that we help do is create those processes where we catch them before they actually leave that review, which is one of those things that I think is important. But man, those are all great tips, not only for service, but for customers. You guys got to be aware for you that aren't in the restaurant industry, um, be aware that these people have families and this is how they support those families. They, a lot of them have children just like you um, and they've chosen this as their profession and uh, don't look down on them at yeah. all. Yeah. Understand that uh, one of the things that Darren said, which I really truly believe in is that they are not, yes, they are card servers, but they are not servants. They are people to assist you through that journey of enjoying that meal, which is something that should be really enjoyable. And that's why they're there is to kind of guide you through it. So really look at it from that perspective or put yourself in their shoes. Cause I think that's always a really important thing to do. Um, and really, I think what you'll find is that person, the willingness for that person to take care of you during that time will be exponential, uh, compared to if you treat them, uh, as lower than you. And that's more of a customer. That's more of a personality issue, I think, than it is, uh, customer issue. Yeah, I agree for sure. So we got so much going on, man. We got you, you're in Vegas in September. You, you're, you got, um, you got all this other stuff kind of going on from a job standpoint where like at this point now you can be uber selective of, of who you want to do business with. Um, you got this working on the second book. I mean, there's just so much going on for you. What's, what is, what's after all this? What's to give me, give me the, the, the quick snippet of, where you see this going in the next five years? You know, what I would love to happen, uh, I, I, I was trying to write a TV show, like, not, like a scripted, you know, not a reality show. And, and my book was optioned for a TV show and then it didn't go anywhere. You know, they couldn't come up with a good concept and they hired these writers that I didn't think got what I was trying to do. So I wrote my own TV pilot and pitch. And so... I still feel that that could happen. I feel like the, you know, with, with all of the television shows now, you know, there's Hulu and Amazon and Netflix and pop TV. There's so many venues out there that are scrambling to put, come up with programming that I can see a world where there is a TV show based on the bitchy waiter. 
And I have not given up that dream. I'm, I'm close to giving up the dream that I will play myself because I'm too old. But <laughs> I think there could still be a TV show based on the bitchy waiter blog in the book. So that's what, that's what my end goal would be someday. And I'm not going to stop dreaming about it. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest things that people need to take away from this episode is that, listen, you know, uh, every single thing, every wall that was put in front of Darren, um, and, you know, he, he knocked it down. He never let any of that stuff get in the way of the successes that he's, that he's done. So that's the one thing I want you guys to take away from this is that he, if you really want something to happen, if you really want it to happen, you've got to will it to happen. And you've got to make sure that it, that's, there's no goal that is too big. A lot of the times what we have is, and really, to be quite honest with you, most of the people that try to def- deflate these hum- humongous dreams that we have are the people that love us the most. Uh, moms or dads or spouses or brothers or sisters or best friends where they're just like, man, it's just unrealistic. There's no such thing as an unrealistic goal. There's no such thing as an unrealistic dream. If that were the case, we wouldn't be where we are today. So don't ever let anybody tell you that. Darren is, is pure proof of that, um, that he took something, an issue, a negative situation that occurred with him in one day, and he right. turned it into an absolutely huge brand. And he's going to take that to the next level. And that's really, I want you guys to, if you take anything from this episode, Take it, take the inspiration away from that. He took a negative and turned it into a positive and look where he is now. Yes, do it. Because I feel like as long as you have a goal and you're working towards it, then um, it keeps you motivated and happy. And if you just accept where you are and this is as good as it's going to get, then you're just going to spend the rest of your life in the same spot. And if you can always work towards a bigger goal, then you always have something to look forward to. That's how I look at it. Awesome. Darren, where can everyone follow you? Can you give us the tags of, of the different places that, that the bitchy waiter ro- yes. relays all its, all its media? Yes. You can always go to my blog. It's the And if you want to follow me on social media, um, it is uh, at bitchy waiter on Twitter and Instagram. And if you just type in bitchy waiter on Facebook, I'm the first thing that's going to come up. So you pretty much just type in bitchy waiter into Google and you will see me all over the place. But Yeah. <laughs> at bitchy waiter is the best way to find me. So this is, uh, and you know, if Darren, I, I, Darren, I hope you come back on the show because I want to do maybe a follow-up um, so we can continue to document your journey. I want to do a follow-up after Vegas. I think that will be a really good episode to kind of tell us, you can share, you know, your, your story of how that went out there because that's kind of a really big deal for you. I think um, from a career acting career standpoint, um, if you, I would love to have you back on obviously. And um, I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, for you to be able to take the time on 4th of July to uh, talk to me uh, and share your story with the guests, I think it's just absolutely amazing. I can't thank you enough. I'm excited. I always like to do it. Thank you very much for even asking me. It's cool. All right, guys. Well, that was Darren. That was the bitchy waiter. Um, please go follow him. Uh, Dar- Darren Cardoza is is the guy behind the bitchy waiter. Um, but go go follow him. Go check out some. I've also, there's a lot of videos out there that he's done that are absolutely gigantically entertaining. Um, and the uh, Shift Drink comedy Shift Drinks comedy guys are are sharing a lot of his videos now, and they're they're getting a lot of pickup. And it looks like they're going to be doing some stuff together too. So be sure to reach out to him uh, as well as follow him everywhere that he is. And we will have 100%, no question about it, the Vituator back on the Bad Reputation podcast, guys. Thank you for listening. 
This has been a Todd Collins official production in conjunction with Platinum Reputations. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Todd Collins Official or visit us at www.toddcollinsofficial.com. Want to be on the show or become a sponsor? Message us on Facebook and tell us why.